Hey guys, thanks for listening to our new series, Join Comfort, for a wonderful Christmas season. For more info, please visit mariner'schurch.org slash jhm. Our Christmas story, The Grinch. Christmas with the Cranks? I'm trying to, think, I'm trying to remember if I've seen that one. Yes? Home Alone, one, two, or three? Two in New York. It's a good one. That's when the brick hit the guy in the face. It's a good scene. Yes? A Wonderful Life, yes? A Wonderful Life? Sorry, I've moved right on. That's the most boring Christmas movie ever made. It happens in real time, that movie does. Okay, sorry, yes? White, that's my favorite Christmas movie! We're be- what do you mean, boo? I have a best friend, and only one in this room. Yes? Four Christmases, that's the saddest Christmas movie ever. All right, I'll agree with you. Okay, yes? Christmas Vacation. Last one. Home Alone 4. Home, what's 4? That's not even the same kid. I know, exactly. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin was 27 by the time that movie was made, and he was no longer uh, allowed to be in Christmas movies to play a 13-year-old. So isn't it strange that if we have a favorite Christmas movie, that if we don't see it leading up to the Christmas time, Christmas is like eight sleeps away, something like that, and so if we don't see our favorite Christmas movie, it doesn't feel like Christmas, Right? Like something's missing in the universe if we don't get to start dealing with some of our favorite Christmas traditions, right? Maybe, maybe you're like me, and a big part of Christmas is going and getting a real-life Christmas tree, not pulling the fake one out of the attic, right? Who, who has a fake tree? Boo! 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 <laughs> Mine's, I, have a, I have a real tree, but it's already dead and just dying in my living room. It's on life support right now. But here's the thing. In order for me, in order for me to get into the Christmas spirit, I have to do some of my like traditions in order to start feeling that way. Like I have to get the tree, I have to start putting the lights on the house. You know, I got to start going Christmas shopping for my wife and my kid. Like I have to do these things in order for it to start feeling like Christmas. Otherwise, something feels missing. Now, for the past couple weeks, we've been in a series called Comfort and Joy. And what we're talking about is for whatever reason, Our culture, the world that you and I live in, right, that's outside of these walls, it's all around us, spooky, right? It's everywhere, and it is asking us to find comfort and joy in the wrong places. It's saying that comfort is something that, you know, that that can be met by other people around you. Comfort comes in like a cup of hot cocoa. You know, they're saying all of these things to us. They're saying joy can be purchased. You can go and buy that next thing, it will make you so joyful when really, as Marshall did so well talking last week, that's really a thing called happiness, that, that you can kind of maybe purchase happiness. It's going to be temporary, but it isn't joy. And so if we listen to the world around us, if we go out there and we do those things, we will miss out on the greatest gift of Christmas. We will miss exactly what this season is about, which is why we've been spending three weeks talking about the true meaning of Christmas. Now, this message is a little bit, is a little bit difficult, and I'm going to ask you to do something very courageous today. I believe that you guys can handle this. I know that you are sharp. It's 11 o'clock. You guys have all woken up. You had a bowl of frosted Cheerios like myself this morning. The girls took a shower. The guys are here. And so we are all ready for a good message. We're ready to hear God's word, all right? Now, I know I know that most people in this room have been a part of a church or been a part of this church for, for you know, a, a good portion of your life. But I believe 
that there are other people here that are, are just checking it out. They're not quite sure if, if church is this thing they want to do or if God is really real or if Jesus is, really cares about me. And at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you to do something very courageous. If it's your first time, I'm going to give you an opportunity to actually give your life to Jesus, which sounds so crazy. And yet, as you'll hear from my story, it is the only thing that matters in your life. And so for all of us, we are going to see a passage of scripture, a few passages of scripture that talk about the beauty that is comfort and joy in this season. Are you ready? Can you handle this? Give me a ho, ho, ho if you're ready. Nicely done. Okay, let's put up this first uh, string of uh, verses. So this comes out of Luke chapter 2, and it's three. This is, you guys are going to get a history lesson. I'm so excited for you. This is three different verses that are not very craftily put together, but that's okay. It goes like this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, which means that he loved God with his whole life, and he did everything he could to follow God and to follow his laws and commands. And it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Does anybody who has not been here for a previous service know what consolation means? Think about it. Think about what consolation could mean. Yes? Oh, so close. That's a constellation. Only one letter off, but very close. Any other thoughts? No? Okay, think about the root word. Console. What does it mean to console someone? It's in the name of our series, yes? To make happy or just to, yes? That's right. To comfort, to console someone. I have a 16-month-old son who gets hurt every single day. And we, uh, which is awesome for me, and so we have this little, like, TV thing that, that opens up on the bottom, and uh, we put this hook on it, because inside of it is our, our, like, DVD player, and there's, like, DVDs and cables, and I don't want my son to, like, eat the DVDs and, you know, slobber all over the machine or shove, like, a Nutrigrain bar, which, coincidentally, uh, he did shove a Nutrigrain bar into my printer, and I had to surgically remove it with tweezers this week. Very exciting stuff in my house household. So we put this hook on it so that he can't get in there. And a couple days ago, the hook was removed because my wife and I were watching Santa Claus 2, don't judge us. And so uh, we, had, we had left the hook off because we had just put the movie in, and he walks over and he sees it. Like, I mean, the, the, the sense of joy that overcame my son when he saw that the, the, the thing could open. He walks over to it, and he starts tugging on it. It's a little bit hard to open. And as he opens it, it unleashes onto his hand, slow motion, square into his face, and just pff, right into his forehead, hits him, takes two step back, falls on the ground, and does the worst thing. The silent cry. Just the, you know, just loses it in that moment. Now, what do I do? I laugh at him. I point at him and say, you deserve that. You should have known better, you know. I told you that was going to happen. That's why the hook's on there, you know. And so I just make fun of him. No, I jump out of my comfortable couch seat, and I run to the ground, and I scoop him up, and I hold him close to my face, and I just let the slobber and the tears get all over me, and I just go, it's going to be okay. I console him. I comfort him in that pain. Israel in this time was going through a lot of pain. They were under captivity by the Roman government. They've been going through a lot of a whole history of pain. Right? This entire nation has been captive by the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Romans. They're just always being oppressed. And they are waiting for God to come and to comfort them, to console them. It says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. 
Many scholars would believe that in this, they're talking about the Holy Spirit giving him the ability to see that God's salvation is coming. And then if you jump forward to verse 38, it's talking about a prophet named Anna. And she says, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Does anybody know what redemption means? I mean, just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just yes, you know? That's absolutely right. Liberating is the correct word in that. It's to rescue. It's to save. It's to, to liberate a group of people. Israel is held captive, and they are looking for liberation. They are looking for freedom. They're looking for rescue. And this prophet named Anna is saying there is a child who is about to do just that. There's a child out there that will do that. There is a God out there that says, I am not okay with this world being in pain and not being comforted. There is a world out there that is stuck in captivity, and I am not okay with that. I have got to do something. God is saying, I am here for you, and you have to know what you're looking for, right? You have to know what you're looking for. If you don't know what you're looking for, you'll never find it. These people during this time, the nation of Israel, was waiting patiently for a king to come with, a, with a, a giant horse and a gigantic sword and an army of people, bagpipes off in the distance, half his face painted blue, yelling freedom. They're waiting for this guy to show up. And yet, he shows up without an army, not starting a war, but he shows up as a baby born in a manger to poor parents. And this is how God plans to change the universe. Look at what it says in these next couple verses. There's three verses together, and it says, She, meaning Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jumping a little bit forward in the story, it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, which means the waited one. The one you've been waiting for, he has been born. He is the Lord. And then the word became flesh, meaning God put skin on and moved into your neighborhood, and he is dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This is Christmas. This is what Christmas really means. Now, let me ask you, looking at that first part of the, the passage there, does anybody know what their name means? Like you have a name, like your first name? Yes, what does your name mean? Princess. Really? So great. Yes. Honest. That's a good one. Yes. Messenger. You should be up here doing this thing or work for the postal service. Yes? What? Whole or complete. That's very good. Yes? A person who takes care of a park, like a park ranger. So you're moving to Yosemite next week. We're so happy for you. Okay, yes? What? Stone? Like a rock. Awesome. I like that. Okay. Now, in, in the first century... When someone was given a name, it was a little bit different than how we do it today because our, our names all have meanings, but they might not mean much to us in particular. Right? My name means descendant of the king, which I don't think I'm part of the royal family. Perhaps I am. I don't know. I should probably move to London and just check out the record books and see, but I don't think so. And so my name, my mom didn't know that when she gave it to me, but that just happens to be my name. Now, in this time, People knew exactly what names meant, and they gave them the name for a reason. Does anybody know, thinking back to the Old Testament, if you weren't here before, what is God's name? What is God's name? It's given to us in the Old Testament. Think it through. Do you know it? Is that a hand? Nope, it's a head scratch. What? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that is a name for God, but it is not God's name. Nicely done, yes? Yahweh is it. Nicely done. Yahweh is God's name. Now what they say is you are to give him the name Jesus, which is the name Joshua, or in this time it's the name Yeshua. Now Yah comes from Yahweh, meaning God's name. And then it's Shua, which means saves. His name is literally God saves. When his name is given to him, it says Jesus is here to save. He is here to be the consolation of Israel and the redemption of Israel. This is God's answer. That comfort and joy would come not just because God wants it. It would actually come in a person. That comfort and joy is Jesus. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Now, they've been waiting for God to comfort and to rescue them. He just showed up and says, this is a baby named God saves who will comfort you and will rescue you. That should be a cause for great joy in your life. This is the source of joy in all things comes in this person of Jesus. The rescue you've been waiting for is, is here, and it is in this person of Jesus. Now, what are they rescued from? They're rescued from this really scary Bible word called sin. This word sin is this thing that we talk about at church from time to time. You probably talk around and sit around your, di your dinner table, and you just, you're on the phone with your friend. You're like, hey, man, what's the greatest sin you've ever done? You know, you're on your soccer field, and you're like, dude, I love sinning. It's so great. No, you never use this word, but we're here, and we're talking about this word sin. And what it is, I define it as the things that separate me or distance me, distance me from a relationship with God, the things that get in the way, the things that are obstacles, the stuff that pulls me apart from my relationship with God. It's the things that you say about people behind their back. It's the things you say to people to their face. <laughs> it's the, the thoughts that you have that are probably not from God. It's the stuff that you're looking at on the internet. It's the pressure that you feel to look the best and to tell people when they don't look as good as you. It's that stuff that you're doing with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's the, you get it. You know what sin is. It's those things that are pulling you apart from having a good relationship with God. And Jesus says, I am here to rescue you from that sin and to place you into God's own family, to be a part of a family of God. When I was in high school, much uh, unlike you guys, I had no understanding of God. I grew up never going to church, did not know Jesus, um, and I really, I wasn't a bad guy, but I was not following Jesus with my life whatsoever. So, I, I mean, I acted like a typical high school student that you would think. I was really good at making fun of people. I went to a school with 4,200 people. My graduating class was 825, and I was the class clown, the guy that just made a fool of himself all the time. And almost every time I made a fool of myself, it was at the expense of another person because I thought if I could build myself up, it's worth it to destroy that person. And I just did horrible things to do that. I would just bash people to their face. I was a bad person. I wasn't, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. I wasn't that bad, but I was bad. Like, I didn't, like, kill anybody, but I was bad. Maybe I, I didn't, know. <laughs> then when I was a senior, I got invited to go to church. I got invited to be a part of this, this thing that you and I do. And I said, I don't want to go to that. Those people are not like me. I don't understand them. They don't understand me. They don't even want me there, I thought. I don't feel comfortable there. I, you know, if I thought that I was so bad, I would walk in the church door and get struck down by a lightning bolt and just disintegrate before my very eyes. 
I, I mean, I had no idea what God was like, so why wouldn't he shoot a lightning bolt out of his eyeballs? And so I got invited to church. I went once, and then they said, hey, why don't you come to winter camp with us? And coincidentally, I actually got invited, and I went to, 12 years ago, the same camp that we take you guys to winter camp in February up at Thousand Pines. And it was there, sitting about 12 or 13 rows back on the left-hand side, that I heard for the very first time the story of Jesus. I heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And this guy was talking about a God who was not okay with the pain that I was currently experiencing. He was not okay that I had this crazy abandonment issue because my dad left my mom when I was one and never talked to me again. He was not okay that I was, you know, doing terrible things to myself and to my friends. He was not okay that I was broken and in pain. In, in fact, he loved me so much that he gave me Jesus so that I could have a relationship with him. And I was blown away. I was looking around the room, and I'm like, do you guys get how miraculous this is? How insane it is that Jesus is here for us? I mean, I was floored. And I was compelled in that moment. I said, I have to live differently from this point forward. I have got to give my life to Jesus. And I, I stood up. I ran to the front. With a, with a bunch of other people, and I gave my life to Jesus. And from that point forward, I still sinned. I still made bad decisions. I still thought thoughts that were not good. But I always knew that I had God who loved me and cared for me. And every time I messed up, I went, God, oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. God, help me. And it began a process of me developing a relationship with Jesus. It brought me to a place where I decided to not go into the Coast Guard. Instead, I decided that I would go and get a religion degree from a small college down here in Southern California called Vanguard. It decided, that, that decision actually brought me to Mariner's Church 11 years ago to start volunteering with crazy junior high kids and to then decide, you know what I'm going to do with my life? I'm going to work for the church, and I'm going to start serving God's kingdom by, by teaching God's word and, and hanging out with, with students. It changed everything about my life because I believed so wholeheartedly that the name of Jesus is God saves and he is here to save us. I believed that Christmas is about so much more, right? The, Jesus coming to be with us is about so much more than, than just the presents and the family and the food. While all those things are great, comfort and joy was about God saying, I'm not okay and I want to comfort you and I will give you a cause for great joy, which is to save you. Now, I believe that in this room, probably most of us have given our life to Jesus. But there are people here who haven't done this yet. And I want to tell you that we don't just give our life to Jesus so that, so that we can, like, say we did it. We give our life to Jesus because I believe it is the only way to live. That we follow after Jesus because it is the only way that leads to life. That might be confusing, and I'd love to talk with you about that more if you're struggling through that. But there's a room full of people here who are making an unbelievable decision to follow Jesus with their life. Your friends don't do this at school. You are doing something courageous and strong, and I'm so proud of you for doing it. But some of you, I believe, need to make a decision this morning. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you close your eyes? Would you try your hardest to not distract the person to your left or to your right? just to be still in your, own, in your own space. And I'd love for you just to think about your life, think about how you've grown up, your family. For some of us, I know you've been, you've been a part of the church for a long time, and I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you and for your, your parents. 
Some of us are, are, are in small groups and we go to camp and we're doing everything we can to, to live for God. Others of us maybe just come on weekends and we're not really hesitant about this church stuff. Perhaps we're only here because our parents are making us. Maybe you don't quite trust that God actually loves you. And I want to challenge you to that if you have faith in him, that he will come through for you. And then again, I believe that there are people here that have, are just getting started on their journey, that they haven't given their life to Jesus yet. And I want you specifically, those of you here, to have an opportunity to just raise your hand and to say, I believe in his name. I believe that Jesus is here to save. Everyone's eyes are closed. No one's looking at you. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to think differently of you. No one's going to be upset at this decision. This is the greatest decision you could make. So if that's you, and you would like to raise your hand and say, I believe in Jesus for the first time, would you do that for me right now? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Great job. Great job. Very good. You can put your hands down. Is there anybody else? Anybody else in here that's not sure? It's okay to have doubt. It's okay to have questions. We all do. That's totally normal. Anyone else? Very good. Very good. Good job. Man, so many of you guys just raised your hands. I'm in, I'm in awe at your guys' decisions. Thank you for doing that. And I want to do one more thing. Keep your eyes closed. I believe that there are other people in here that have had a good relationship with God but for whatever reason, lately you've, you've been struggling, you've kind of slipped away. Maybe you still come to church, but maybe you're just kind of going through the motions. And perhaps there's something on your mind or your heart that you, that you need to let go of, something you, perhaps you feel guilty about or ashamed of. God loves you. God forgives you. God cares for you. Jesus came for you. And as we head in to this last week before Christmas, there is no better time to acknowledge that this season is about God being with us because he loves you and wants relationship with you. So if you have something that's on your mind that over the last few months or something that you've done, you, just, you, you feel like, man, I need forgiveness for God for something, would you raise your hand? Again, no one's looking. Just There's something in your mind that you're going, I need forgiveness for that. Something you've done or said, thank you, good job. Maybe there's something that, that happened. Maybe it's a, something you're really upset about. Thank you. You can put your hands down if you raise it. Is there anybody else, though? You want to? Thank you. Great job. Good job. Very good. Very good. Christmas is such a unique time. So, God, thank you. God, thank you that, that in this space we can come before you who love us, you who cares for us, you who wants the best for us. God, I don't know the stories of every one of these students, but you do. God, you know what their life is like. You know what it's like at home, whether that's a joyful place or a really sad place. God, you know their stories. God, you also know the decisions they're making, the thoughts that they're thinking. God, would you forgive because we know you are a forgiver. God, would you sow grace because you are so gracious and merciful. 
God, your Holy Spirit is moving. God, thank you for being here. Lord, we ask that in these next few days, Lord, would we be overwhelmed with the true meaning of Christmas? Would we be overwhelmed that the greatest gift you have ever given is your son, that that may cause us great joy throughout the rest of this week? And it's in your name we pray, amen. Stay seated for one second. If you, if you raised your hand, um, maybe for the first time, would you come find me or, or Justin or one of the other staff members that's around here? We'd love to talk with you. Um, if you also had some stuff come up today that you want prayer for, please, we'd love to pray with you. That's what we do here. Um, and if not, we're so glad that you were here today. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you guys. Next weekend, no junior high services. But think about who might come with you next week. Have a great week, you guys. Merry Christmas. We'll see you all soon. Thank you.